All right, how is everybody? Everybody good? All right, how about this snow? I hear some folks just left snow to come be in more snow. <laughs> what a surprise in the south, right here in the middle of March. But uh, listen, welcome to church. Welcome to New Life Church. If you are new here, my name is Jeremy Smith, lead pastor of the church. And we're so honored and we're so thankful that, um, that you guys are here. We're, it's a privilege um, to worship with, with you. It's an honor to have you guys with us today. And listen, I'm going to invite you to turn or click to the New Testament, 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. As you do that, I want to say hi to those who may be catching us online today. Thank you for uh, taking some time to be with us in worship. And, um, and if you're part of this church, we miss you and hope to see you real soon. 2 Timothy chapter 3 is where we're going to pick up today. We're, we're in the middle of uh, a teaching series called Remaining Faithful to God's Way. And we're just walking through this second letter that Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, his protege, a pastor that he put in place in Ephesus, uh, one that he handpicked, groomed, mentored, discipled, spiritually imparted faith, and just, just led life with him and and, and, and showed him a few things about ministry. And he's writing back to him. He's writing this around A.D. 66, which is important because the time frame shows us that that was uh, a time when Paul was in prison in Rome, and it was shortly before his execution. And it was probably his last letter that he wrote. And he wrote a letter, he wrote this in a very personal way to Timothy to really strongly encourage him to remain faithful to God's way, which is where we get this title from. And, um, and I, kind of our goal, uh, one of the goals as, we have, as we're walking through this letter together is, like Timothy, to receive this letter in a personal way. And uh, so as we read this, imagining ourselves receiving this letter, if you will, from, from the Apostle Paul. And let it, let it speak to our heart and, and, and let, it, let it encourage us to, to dig in spiritually and, and to continue to let our roots grow deep down into the kingdom of God so that our lives can sprout up in the ways of God. And so that's where we're at. And, and, and last week we, we tackled the second half of, of chapter 2 uh, because he talked about being an, an approved worker. Uh, and how the first part of chapter 2, he talks about being strong in the grace of God that is in Christ Jesus. And in that, with his grace, then we can overcome hardships in our life. And he answers why we need to overcome hardships. Uh, and he, he basically gets down in chapter two, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 10, and he says, because... I want other people to discover this same overcoming life that I have in Christ Jesus. And that this overcoming life is for everybody. And so when you and I are, have the um, grace of God in our life and we seek and, and want and desire His grace and we find ourselves being held up by His grace, being strong in His grace that He provides us and enables us and empowers us to overcome hardships that you and I will deal with throughout our life. And, and we have to remember, because I think far too often we forget that um, the things you and I go through and overcome, God specializes in using them to turn things around for good, His glory, and to help other people know His love, know His grace, 
know his power, know his forgiveness, know his redemption, and ultimately know eternal life. And so, listen, we need to remember as, as believers, as Christians, as followers of Christ, that we will go through these things, but we're, one of the big reasons we go through them is so that on the other side of them, God has this kiss of grace on our life that he uses to show other people, hey, in, my, in me, in my son, in Christ, Jesus, you too can overcome what you go through and you can discover that overcoming life that is in Christ Jesus. Let's look at chapter 3 here today. I've titled today's message, The God-Breathed Word. And we'll know a little, hopefully know what that means a little bit more here as we get down into this. Look at this with me. Verse 1, Paul says, Timothy, you should know this. That in the last days, there will be very difficult times. He's writing that and he, basically what he's saying is there's going to be perilous times in the last days. Such good news from Paul. It's going to be great stress. There's going to be great troubles. There's going to be hard to deal with moments, hard to deal with seasons, hard to bear times that you will go through. And he goes on in the next seven verses to talk about how there will be difficult people uh, in this world. And, um, and, he, he, and he basically is saying, listen, people who are far from God will do what people far from God will do. All right? And he, he goes on, he lists some things about this, talks about how in these last days, difficult people, they will love only themselves. They will love only their money. They will scoff at God. They will be ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be kind, the kind of people who will live with unforgiveness, not extending forgiveness. They hate what is good. They will betray their friends. They will be puffed up with pride. They'll love pleasure rather than love God. They'll act religious. He said they'll have a deprived mind, a depraved mind. They'll have counterfeit faith going on in their life. And he said, in the last days, you're going to encounter people like that, Timothy. So what do you do? What do you do? And then he goes on down in verse 13, and he just kind of re reinforces the fact that, hey, people who are far from God, they're going to continue to be on this earth. And difficult times will continue to exist. And we can, Jesus was one of some of his final words that he said in John chapter 16, verse 33. Listen to these words. He said, in this unbelieving world, he said, you will experience trouble and sorrows, but be courageous because I have overcome the world. It's not what we want to hear. I get it. It's, it's not what, what, I, what we sign up to hear. Um, and Paul starts this third part of the letter out, as we have titled it, the third chapter, uh, with, hey, Timothy, you need to know this. Um, I know, um, like, things life to be easy, but life's not going to always be easy. Life's going to be challenging. Uh, what you're doing, who you are, what God has called you to do, the kind of people he wants you to help, you're going to encounter some real difficult people, and you're going to have some difficult times in your life. It's not, it's just not going to be easy all the time, and and he said, but listen, he, he, then he takes the next part of this in verses 10 through 12, and he says something to the effect, but listen, I want you to remember how I live my life. You have my life as an example to look back on, and you can see 
the um, kind of you can look back and remember what I taught, how I lived it, what my purpose was, how I was faithful to it, how my attitude and, the, and my outlook on life was a certain way. Um, you can see how I loved others. You can see how I endured persecution and how I endured suffering and how I'm actually doing it right here in Rome, uh, right from, the, from jail. And he said, you have my example to look back on, but more importantly, here's, here's what we're going to zoom in on today. He said, more importantly, you need, to, you need to look at and remember this. And this is where we get to verse 14. Let's look at this together. He says, you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. He says, you know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. They have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses this word to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Now, I've taken the liberty and gone back to these last two verses, verse 16 and 17. We're going to look at them here in a second in the Passion Translation. We're just going to compare some things here. But he tells him, remain faithful to what you've been taught. What have you been taught? You've been taught the Holy Scriptures. And then what about these Holy Scriptures? He said, these Scriptures are inspired by God. What what does that mean? Let's look at this in the Passion, verse 16. You can follow with me on the screen. He said, God has transmitted his very substance into every Scripture. Think about that. God has transmitted his very substance, who he is. All the things we and I can try to think of and what the Bible describes as God into every scripture, over 31,000 verses. He said this, these scriptures, says it is God breathed. Meaning the word of God has God's breath embedded in it. Let's kind of walk this back a little bit if we can. The writer of Hebrews tells us that the Word of God is living and active and it's powerful. Back it on up a little bit further. John chapter 1 verse 1. The writer, uh, John the Apostle says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through Him in the beginning. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's do that. Follow with me. Look at this with me in Genesis chapter 1. The creation account. I want to read a few of these parts of Scripture where, well, let's, let's start in verse 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Verse 3, then God said. Can you say that? Can you say, then God said? Then God said. When it says, then God said, it means God declared and he uttered with his desire. And then what did he say? 
let there be light. And then there was light. Look at verse 6. Then God said, let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And that is what happened. Verse 9, then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. Look on down to verse 14. Then God said, let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, the days, and the years. Look at verse 20. Then God said, let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. Verse 24, then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And that is what happened. Verse 26, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals on, that scurry along the ground. And then God created us in his image. Chapter 2, verse 7 gives the history of this. It says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and then he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Paul, writing to Timothy, obviously he knows the history of the beginning. And he writes and he reminds Timothy, personally reminding us today that, listen, remaining faithful to what you have been taught, what have you been taught, the Holy Scriptures, the truth, these Scriptures are God-breathed, God putting himself, blowing his breath, his spirit into his word. And when that happens, things change. Where there was once no light, light became. Where darkness existed, God drew the line and said, let light come in. Where, where there was only land, God spoke and water was carved out and there was a separation. All of these things in the beginning, God declared, God uttered with his voice. He spoke it and it became. And so Paul writing to Timothy and essentially to us personally today saying remain faithful to the holy scriptures that are God breathed. Let the word of God breathe in you. Let it be alive to you. Let the word of God be alive in you. Let the word of God be more than just words on a page. Let the word of God be more than just a book. Let it become the reality that it was intended to be. Let it be alive and let it be active. Let it be powerful. Let it be useful. Let it be big in you. Let it be real in you. Let it inspire you. Let it change the way you see 
see. Let it change the way you think. Let it change the way you act. Let it change the way you believe. Let it change the way you treat people. Let it change the way you see yourself. Let it do what it was intended to do because the Word of God is more than just a bunch of words in a pages, more than just a book on a shelf or on a coffee table. Let the Word of God be what it is. That is the inspired Word of God. It's the breathed Word of God. And let God breathe and you let His Word work in you is what Paul is reminding Timothy. That when we approach God's word more than just some story or something that we can read or occasionally flip through, but we approach it with, man, I need to hear and see what does God have to say about my life. Because you're going to deal with difficult times and difficult people. Humanistic philosophies will only last so long, but the word of wisdom will dig deep and keep you out of a lot of trouble. It'll teach you when to shut up. It will also teach you when to speak up. The word of God has so much to offer you and me. And he reminds him, listen, This is your go-to. This is your go-to. This is it right here. And then he goes on and he he explains, which I'll leave with you today, four thoughts out out of these last two verses of what and how this breathe, this God breathed word will work in your life. He tells him four things. It will empower you by instruction and correction. It will give you strength to take the right direction. It will lead you deeper into the path of godliness, and it will make you fully prepared to fulfill any assignment, whatever God has for your life. So let's go into those real quick. Verse 16b, if you will, on the screen in the Passion Translation, it says this God-breathed word, it will empower you by its instruction and its correction. Look with me at Psalm 119, verse 105, out of the message. It says, we may know it is this way. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And then the message just kind of just adds all this flavor to it. And it says, by your words, I can see where I'm going. They throw a beam of light on my dark path. I've committed myself and I'll never turn back from living by your righteous order. Though everything's falling apart on me, God, you put me together again with your word. Put my life together again with your word. There was a season in my life where I was going through some really, really difficult times, and I was feeling real low and feeling down, and I I was questioning, you know, what should I do? What, you know, should I change things or whatever? And the Lord took me through the book of Psalms. And I had heard a friend talk to me about that, and and I thought, well, I'm going to try that. And um, when all else fails, go to the source, right? And I'm like, okay. So I just took about a year and went through the book of Psalms, just casually taking my time, reading through the Psalms, and, and, and just 
letting the Psalms just kind of read over me. And this is one of them, Psalm 94, 19. It says, when the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. You know, sometimes when we don't know what to do with how we feel with emotions or whatever in our soul, man, Psalms are often a good go-to place. The prayers, a lot of them of David. Moses wrote some of them and some others. But man, they, they, really, they really help kind of just read you. They just really find a way to read how you feel, read what you're thinking, read kind of what you're dealing with in life. And I would encourage you at times when you don't know what to do, his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And his word can put our life back together. You know, sometimes it only takes just one word from God to change everything, to just really flip the script to just really kind of jar you out of whatever it is that's going on, to just kind of make you, you see something and see life, see a situation, see a person, whatever it is, in a completely different manner. The Word of God is that way. It's, it's light. It's a lamp, and it is a light unto our path. And His Word literally can put our life back together. So if you're feeling fragmented like the earth was in the beginning, it was disoriented and chaotic and darkness was all over the place. And it said God spoke and his spirit moved and things began to pop and things began to shift. Things began to move into place from chaos into order. And where there was confusion, this world, this earth, this sphere began to take its true shape, its true form, its seasons and days and nights and years and all of these things begin to have function and have purpose. Some of you might feel like that sometimes where you feel like, man, life has thrown you a curveball. Life has hit you. Life has knocked you down and you're feeling fragmented, disoriented, unsure about certain things. But his word can come alongside you and work in you and clear a whole lot of things up and help you have trust in what God can do. Amen? And so maybe when you need wisdom, you could read some Proverbs. Uh, there's like, what, 31 Proverbs? Uh, most months have 31, uh, except for, what, February? And, um, and so you can, you can, you know, read a proverb a day. There was a period of my life where all I did every morning was read a proverb, and sometimes it didn't really make sense to me. I'm like, oh, okay, proverb. Woo, I knocked it out today. But then I'll find myself coming back to it again in another month or two or three months down the road, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that. Because there's so many, you know, 31 chapters, but so many verses, so many nuggets of, of wisdom, gold mines of wisdom, man, in Proverbs and in Ecclesiastes. And maybe when, you, when you're unsure about what good godly leadership looks like, what is it, what is it, what, how do I, should I lead in this time of my life? You can go back and read about the kings, read about the judges, read about Joshua, who said, man, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're not perfect at it. We make our share of mistakes, but man, we're going to keep God first. We're going to make him first. We're going to continue to keep our focus on him. 
Maybe you need some faith stirred for God to bring some, do some miracles in your life for someone you know. You need a miracle. Man, read the Gospels. Read what Jesus did in the, in the miracles in, in the Gospel of John. Read the book of Acts and how God used ordinary people to establish his healing hand and work miracles and power amongst people. People who, weren't, people who were far from God, man, came in, in, to, in contact with this power, this healing. Some, sometimes they used handkerchiefs. Sometimes it was a shadow. They did, God didn't care. He just said, I'm just looking for people that I can put myself into, people I can pour my word into, people who will take me at my word. And he sent his word, the Bible says, and he healed our disease. Man, we can read Acts, read the Gospels. Oh, what would Jesus do? Maybe we wonder, how would Jesus handle this? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John talks a whole lot about how Jesus handled things. And sometimes, man, he, I think the way he handled certain stuff would probably upset our apple carts today. I'm like, really? You did it that way? You handled it that way? But his word is a lamp and a light. Let's look at the second thing Paul tells Timothy 16c. It says, this God-breathed word will give you the strength to take the right direction. Man, it's one thing to know the right direction. But then the strength to actually take the right direction. In Matthew 4, before Jesus entered into his earthly ministry, he went out into the wilderness for 40 days to pray and fast. And it was there he was tempted by the devil. He was hungry. And the, and the devil said, hey, you're the son of God, right? Why don't you just take those stones and just turn them into bread? Go ahead and satisfy your need yourself. What's the right direction? Jesus knew he needed to finish what he had started. And he's like, I get it. I am hungry. And I absolutely could turn those stones into bread just like that. But here's what I'm going to say. The scriptures say, the word of God says, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Can, 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 I mean, literally, reading this, can it make you not hungry again? Probably not. But what can it do? It can satisfy deeper spiritual hunger that what we are absolutely looking for, longing for on the inside. And the only way that gets met it's not by meeting our own needs and doing things our own way all the time, accomplishing what we want to see accomplished. It's about taking the time to daily let the Word of God be served into our souls. Jesus needing strength. He was hungry. Some, he probably hangry, if truth be told. Anybody ever been hangry? Hungry and angry at the same time? <sighs> like I am right now, I'm hungry. Anybody else hungry? Anybody skip breakfast? Not going to admit it. I'll try not to be too much longer then. The Word of God gives us strength to take the right direction. Look at this part of this prayer David prayed in Psalm 139. Verse 23 and 24, he prays, God, I invite you, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. 
Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. Shut up, David. (laughs) See if there's any path of pain I'm walking on. Lead me back to your glorious everlasting way, the path that brings me back to you the right direction. Oh, such honest, heartfelt, humble, hard prayers sometimes. But those, when we speak those to the Lord, we might not really all the way 100% mean it, but there's some part of us that does, and God's like, that's all I need, and I can begin to work, and I can begin to take you down the right direction. See, God's Word teaches us and gives us strength to pray prayers like that, to ask God, hey, look at me, examine me, check me out, and, let, and remind me I am not all that. Show me my flaws, but at the same time, show me how you can take me from where I am and make me who you want me to be. Take this heart of mine and make it soft again. Oh God, where I have been numb to you, make me feel you again. Where I have been kind of keeping you distant because I've been busy or whatever it is, Lord, refresh me today and bring me back to you. God's Word teaches us and gives us strength to take the right direction. Most of the time, we know the right direction to go, but a lot of the times, we lack the strength to always follow through with it. But His Word, when it's alive in us. You see, there are things that when you start to get His Word in you and, and, and His Word works in you and it becomes alive in you, there, there are some of you probably from 15, 25, 30 years ago serving the Lord, there are things in God's Word that will come to mind when you were least expecting it. You're like, the Word of God just suddenly popped back into your mind, a verse you remembered, a verse you learned when you were a child, a verse someone taught, uh, taught you, a verse you heard, however it was, and it just seems to, just at the right moment work in your heart and in your situation to give you strength to take the right direction. And then third, 16 verse D says, the God-breathed word will lead you deeper into the path of godliness. Will lead you deeper into the path of godliness. Look at this with me in Jeremiah 6 verse 16. So this is what the Lord says, stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. But at this time you replied, no, that's not the road we want. Stop and look around. When you're at a crossroads... He says, stop, look around. Ask God for the old godly way, the way that's tried and true, the way that has lasted for generations, the way that, that doesn't fall to the side. It's always true, always right, always prevailing. Ask him for that. And this is the way Jesus puts it in Matthew 11, verse 29. Look at this with me. 
out of the passion says, simply join your life with mine. What a lot of us might be accustomed to is take my yoke upon you. When something is yoked, it's the joining of two to be in unison together, to work together. And he's saying, hey, join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover I'm actually gentle and humble and easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me, he says. Oftentimes, I think we, we mix it up and think we join our life to Christ, therefore I got to work harder. I got to show him I can do it. I got to be more, more, more proven in who I am. And, and I got to dot my I's and cross my T's. I can't let my guard down. I can't make a mistake. I, I, I got to pray every day. I got to read the Bible, you know, so much, so, you know, so much every day. And we put all of these rules on ourselves and regulations on, and expectations on ourselves that we will ultimately fall short on. And what Jesus is interested in is this not in our performance, but in our willingness to just walk with Him. In our willingness to just walk with Him. I'm going to do this, I'm probably going to butcher this story, but this story keeps coming back to my mind, so I'm going to just take, it, take, a, take a chance here. It's unrehearsed. You've, some of you, someone posted this and you got to be careful when someone, you say somebody posted this on Facebook or somewhere. I saw it. It was, a, it was another preacher who was telling a story about his kids, his three, his three girls. And when he said that, it kind of caught my attention. Oh, I got three girls. Maybe I should hear what he has to say. He said he, each, he gave them each $50 and he took them to the store. He said, you got 15 minutes. Buy whatever you want. You got 50 bucks. It'll pay for it. One went this way, another went that way and started shopping. And one said, Daddy, can I, can I just walk with you? And he's like, sure. So they started walking through the store. He and this, his third daughter that stayed with him. And she was starting to talk to him about buying stuff. She said, Daddy, you think these jeans look nice? Yeah, those jeans look nice, he said. She said, do you think I should buy those jeans? He said, yeah, you should buy those jeans. So she picked up the jeans. Daddy, you like this sweater? Oh, I like that sweater. You, Daddy, you think I should buy this sweater? Oh, yeah, you should buy that sweater. That, that's going to be nice. He gets the sweater. Daddy, you like these shoes over here? I love these shoes. Do you think these shoes will look good on me? Yeah, I think they would. Should I buy these shoes, Daddy? Oh, yeah, you should buy those shoes, girl. Those would be, those would be right. So she gets the shoes. They get around the corner, see another stand and some earrings. She said, Daddy, you like these earrings? Oh, I love those earrings, honey. You think I should buy these earrings? Absolutely, you should buy those earrings. Those are going to look good, but these earrings are, are for casual. I'm going to need some dress-up earrings, too. Can, can, what do you think about these dress-up earrings, you know? Oh, those are really pretty, sweetie. Those are really nice-looking earrings. See, Daddy, you think I should get these? Oh, yeah, you should get those. So they get all that. They walk up to the counter. His two other daughters who went on and shopped, they done paid for their $50 worth of stuff, and they ring, and then they begin to ring up the third uh, girl's stuff, and it's like $150. And they're looking around and they look at dad and say, Dad, why did, why, did, why did we get 50? But she got 150. And that girl looked at him and said, because I walked with him. Doesn't mean we're always going to get more stuff. 
but we will get what he wants to give us. And it's generally more than what you and I could ever try to dream up on our own. In fact, that's what Ephesians 3 tells us. You are the God who can do it exceedingly and abundantly above and beyond all that I can ask or even try to imagine or think just because I walked with the Lord. Don't underestimate walking with God. Oh, you're going to go through some difficult. You and I, we're go, gonna, we, we will go through difficult times. But don't underestimate walking with God because we will go through the difficult times. And he will hold us. He will speak to us. He will be there to pay for some things when we need it. He will be there to vouch for us when we need it. He will be there to roar on our behalf when we need it. He will be there to comfort us when we need it. He will be there to keep us when we need it. Because we walked with him. And his word is clear. It'll lead us deeper into the path of godliness. And I got to close with this, verse 17. You got time for this last verse? Second to last verse, maybe? Okay, I tricked you, sorry. I didn't mean to. And Paul says this in closing his letter. This God-breathed word, he says it will fully mature you and perfectly prepare you to fulfill any assignment God gives you. Mm. Only God knows the places we'll go. Only God knows the situations we'll get into. Only God knows. But if we're walking with him and his word is working in us, then regardless of whatever we encounter, his God-breathed word will prepare us for any purpose, any assignment that we'll be a part of. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 7 out of the message. Just You can close up and look at this on the screen. Closing out his sermon on the mount, he said, these words that I speak, they are not incidental additions to your life homeowner improvements to your standard of living. He said, they're foundational words, words to build a life on. And if you work these words into your life, you will be like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. The rain poured down. The river flooded. A tornado hit. Difficult times. But nothing moved that house because it was fixed to the rock and we know that rock is Christ but if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life you're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach when a storm rolled in and the waves came up it collapsed like a house of cards if we want our life to be able to endure or do we want our life to collapse 
It all is based on whom our life is built. My life is built on Christ, the solid rock. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking. Sand, that probably would have been a good song to close out with if I'd have thought of it 30 minutes ago. Can you stand with me? I ask Megan to lead us in this one final song today. It's one we sang to close out our worship segment earlier. Lord, I give you my heart. And I just want to encourage you in this as I encourage myself. As we walk with the Lord, it's about daily giving Him our heart. It's not just about a prayer we prayed whenever that was, but it's about daily surrendering ourselves to Him, giving Him our heart, and letting His Word, the God-breathed Word, work in us. So as we sing this, sing this as a prayer, and let's let God answer that in our life today. Give you my soul.